0: long history's random uk prime minister of the week number 43 anthony eden suez hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of random uk prime minister of the week in this series we literally pick a random prime minister and then we ask a few questions such as how did they get into office what did they do in office and why did they leave And for some reason, until now, the latest Prime Minister that we've had was Winston Churchill. And he finished his second term as Prime Minister in 1955. And the man we're looking at today is very much Churchill's heir apparent, Anthony Eden. He was Prime Minister between 1955 and 1957. And despite having a very high reputation before he got into office, and seeming to be a perfect replacement for Churchill, something went wrong in his Premiership. And in this episode, we'll have a look at what happened. This is Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, number 43, Anthony Eden, Suez. How can you summarise the term of a Prime Minister? Well, here at Long History, we've identified one subgroup of Prime Ministers, those whose whole terms can be summarised with one word or phrase. A simple one is Churchill with World War II, but there's also Lloyd George with World War I. Neville Chamberlain's misquoted phrase sums up his premiership, peace in our time. A further subset of this subset are prime ministers whose time in office can be summarised in one word and what's more, just a four-letter word. Most recently, Tony Blair and the word Iraq is a pairing that is difficult to prise apart and for Anthony Eden, his four-letter word is Suez. It dominated his premiership as we'll look at in more detail later. So we've reached the 1950s here and during this period there were three prime ministers all of a certain type perhaps we could call them the last gasp of the Victorians. All three of these prime ministers Churchill, Eden and Harold Macmillan were the last types of a certain pre-war Englishman born during the Victorian era. These were very establishment figures, more than happy to mix in a certain aristocratic set, before the 1960s began proper and such obvious membership of this set became less desirable. Eden was actually the only wholly 1950s Prime Minister of the three, Churchill's premiership straddling the 1940s and Macmillan's also taking in the early 1960s. The time when Eden was Prime Minister was a particular period that a certain type of English person will look at with nostalgia between the war and the 1960s when the world seemed simpler, when everyone knew their place and when we still had an empire. This is one of those periods that the current period, whatever that might be, is often defined against. And Anthony Eden, in the midst of all this, was perhaps the first explicit signal that this particular version of Britain was coming to an end. And not only that it was coming to an end, but that it had been coming to an end for some time and was now crumbling away altogether. That one-word summary of Eden's time in office also summarises when that end took place, when Britain's role as a superpower and as an empire became past tense. What was Anthony Eden like? We've come across many Prime Ministers who are notably plain or even noticeably ugly, but Anthony Eden is one of the few Prime Ministers famed for being the opposite. He was a self consciously dapper and handsome man. He's described as very handsome, a claim that the photographs do not seem to quite bear out until perhaps we remember that he succeeded the caricaturist's dream, Winston Churchill intriguingly for this man the question of what he was like is more apposite to his time as Prime Minister than most, because this was a man who only reached the top job after his prime. He and his family had certainly made sacrifices during the war and he was a master at dealing with jobs relating to his main passion, the Foreign Office. He had proved to be adept at making the right decisions at just the right time and he worked well with Churchill during the Second World War Apparently and in around 1942, he became something of an heir to Churchill should anything happen to him. However, that was the 1940s, and by the time he became Prime Minister in 1955, Eden had suffered ill health and was not quite as fit for the job as he might have been. He's an interesting case because the decisions he made whilst Prime Minister and the manner of his leadership have been heavily criticised over the years, but it's interesting to wonder how much of this criticism was because of the Suez crisis which swept him aside. It's always easy to judge someone by hindsight. And although many reasons are given to explain his poor ability as a Prime Minister, the context might incline us to be more generous to him. Churchill, for example, was certainly a hard act to follow, and perhaps anyone who followed him would have a difficult job. In particular, relative to the old and exhausted Churchill, Eden was youthful, handsome and also experienced. But Churchill had perhaps brought something unique to the role that no listed criteria could capture, and perhaps no successor could have filled that particular gap. Even in his personal life, Eden's life was about politics. He was married twice, being the second of only three prime ministers to be divorced. His second wife, however, was Winston Churchill's niece. He had three sons, one of whom died in the Second World War. So he will take a step back and ask what was the historical background at the time, what was happening during the 1950s. The Cold War was well underway by the time Anthony Eden took office, with capitalism and communism competing in an existential clash, led by two opposing superpowers, the USA and the USSR. Just as the space race was setting off, this was the decade when for Britain colonialism began its end. The Korean War had ended in 1953, before Eden became Prime Minister, but the earliest days of the Vietnam War coincided with Eden's first two years in power. Of course it's hard to summarise a whole decade, but it seems to be one of relief and recuperation after the Second World War, but coupled with further conflict. The Hot World War had ended, only to be replaced by a Cold War, and many other conflicts were taking place, the legacy of colonisation, and political instability in countries as wide-ranging as Pakistan, Guatemala and Paraguay. The earliest iteration of the EU in the meantime began just after Eden left the job in 1957. What was the UK like at the time? Well any anglophiles out there will know what an Ealing comedy is. It's a particular type of genteel British comedy film, highly recommended produced between 1947 and 1958. They portray the country in a particular domestic, wry but not harshly sarcastic way. They very much reflected and defined the era. This was a post-war world, where Britain's class system was still explicit. And one film from the period of Eden specifically was The Lady Killers, where a series of rogues some sinister some lovable try to get away with a robbery while their landlady an old lady unwittingly gets in their way. It's a very particular black and white world where the scars of the war on London are still very clear and where England can be seen to be clinging on to its past with its steam trains Victorian houses and bobbies on the beat. By 1955 when Eden took office there was a new queen on the throne uh, but when you're having to look to a rejuvenated old institution to find optimism for the future, signs aren't looking very good, really. The average weekly earnings of a man aged over 21 who worked in the manufacturing industry in 1955 was £10, 18 shillings and five pence, which would be around £355 today, or $450 U.S. dollars approximately. We like to focus on a particular town or city in the country, And at this time in the 1950s, the seaside town of Blackpool, a famous tourist destination for working people in the UK, was at its peak. This was before flights and package holidays made heading abroad for sunnier weather a realistic option. The town's population had grown with the Industrial Revolution, growing from around 2,500 in 1851 to about 150,000 people one century later with well over 15 million people per annum visiting the town during that decade. This was Blackpool's heyday. What was happening over in the United States? Dwight D. Eisenhower was the president of the US during Antony Eden's whole time in office. Just after Antony Eden's time in office, both Alaska and Hawaii were admitted to the Union as the 49th and 50th states in 1959. The US was booming, but the Cold War was in full swing, with McCarthyism and the Red Scare just beginning to subside as Eden entered office, and just as Rosa Parks sat on a bus and Elvis Presley was recording his earliest songs, all setting the scene for the decade to come. Who voted for Eden? Winston Churchill resigned in 1955 and was replaced by Anthony Eden, who then immediately called a general election and the public strongly backed him, the Conservative Party's majority increasing significantly compared to the 1951 election. Eden won 13.3 million votes compared to the opposition leader, Clem Attlee's, 12.4 million votes. At that point the last significant change to voting rights had been in 1928, when all women were able to vote on an equal footing with all men, at the age of 21 the most significant voting change since then has been that the voting age was reduced to 18 in 1969. So that's an overview of the times but what was Eden's background specifically? Anthony Eden was 24 years younger than his predecessor as Prime Minister Winston Churchill. As we said he was born at the very end of the Victorian era but he wasn't quite the last Prime Minister to be born in the 1800s. He was born in the very northeast of England which is stereotypically a very working class part of the country, although Eden himself was born in a large 16th century country house. His father was a baronet with a background in the military, apparently a very strict man, and Eden's family definitely made sacrifices during the wars, with two of Eden's brothers both being killed during the First World War. Eden had the most typical education of many prime ministers, with his schooling being at Eton, His education was actually interrupted by the First World War and he served during the whole war and then went to Oxford University in 1919 to study Oriental languages, particularly Persian and Arabic. This Eton and Oxford combination being the most establishment education possible with a total of 14 prime ministers, almost a quarter of all prime ministers having exactly this education. Eden first became an MP in 1923 at the age of 26 and he entered the cabinet 11 years later at a crucial moment in the country's history just before World War II. At that point Chamberlain was the Prime Minister and Eden had risen to the post of Foreign Secretary. However just a year later Eden resigned over a disagreement regarding negotiations with the Italian leader Mussolini and this turned out to be a very good move for Eden because in this way he distanced himself from Chamberlain's policy of appeasement, which would come to bite him in the neck when World War II eventually broke out. This meant for Eden, however, that when the war started proper, his career was in full swing still. Under Churchill during World War II, Eden returned to the role of Foreign Secretary and was very much seen as the man who would replace Churchill should anything happen to him. Eden's time in the upper echelons of British politics seemed to go well while Churchill was in power and he was clearly destined to be the new Conservative leader when Churchill stood aside. A handsome war leader whose family had made many sacrifices, an experienced political leader. Eden was going to do great things when he got the job. How did Anthony Eden become Prime Minister? Well, there's a key problem here. Eden was going to be a great leader when he got the job But Churchill just didn't step aside. He didn't step aside after he was beaten by Clem Attlee's Labour Party in 1945. Nor did he step aside during the following two general elections. And in 1951, after six years in opposition, Churchill returned to the job as Prime Minister. But by this time he was well into his 70s. It seems he just didn't want to go. Perhaps like many bosses in the past he wasn't really happy with the thought of his heir taking over. And it wasn't only Eden who was looking forward to taking over the role, there was a certain anticipation as to what this experienced and talented heir would achieve. By the mid-fifties Churchill had suffered plenty of minor health issues, but just as he was contemplating leaving office for good, It was Eden who fell ill after a series of operations on his duct in the spring of 1953 from which he never completely recovered. Churchill went on to suffer from his own stroke that summer of 1953 and would probably have passed the role down to Eden had the latter not also been ill. As it was, Churchill recovered from his stroke and did not leave the role of Prime Minister until spring 1955. Eden finally took over. What were Eden's biggest achievements as Prime Minister? Well Eden had been the heir apparent for 13 years but he was 57 when he took up the role and in Long History's random UK Prime Minister of the Week we always ask the same questions but sometimes they just don't quite fit and it's very difficult to talk of Eden's achievements. Although 57 was not an excessively old age it is much older than the 44 years he would have been had he taken over at the beginning of that period of waiting. At that time he'd been seen as a brilliant and talented politician, but when he took up the role he was older and less well. Biographies are noticeably critical, saying that he was touchy and didn't know when to take charge and when to leave others to get on with the job. Bearing in mind this context, however, there is perhaps a touch of hindsight here. Churchill's personality and his opinions have not proved difficult to criticise over the years, but the difference was that Churchill won a war, whilst Eden's most notorious achievement, achievement being completely the wrong word, but it is the question that was asked, was his response when Abdul Nasser attempted to take the Suez Canal from its English and French owners. To Eden, this was a repeat of World War II's politics, Another attempt by a fascist to take something that didn't belong to him. He tried to react accordingly. But, whereas half a century ago, Britain could have unilaterally solved this dispute, two world wars later, it quickly became clear that the UK simply couldn't do this anymore. The issue dissolved into a messy international dispute involving Israel, France and the UK. The main crisis began in July 1956, but Eden hesitated. And by the autumn of the same year, when an attempt was made to retake the canal, the moment had passed when it could have ridden any wave of popular sentiment for such an attack. The United States proved reluctant to participate in these events, saying that they didn't want to upset the Arab world and potentially push them towards the Communists. And it became clear that without the financial and political backing of the United States, this attempted invasion to retake the canal couldn't work. And it fizzled out. The invasion ended on the 7th of November 1956. It was a humiliating and revelatory moment for the British, forcing them to acknowledge that they were no longer a superpower and had become all but dependent on the United States. Eden had overplayed his hand and lost. How did Eden's premiership come to an end? Well, remember that Eden's reputation largely rested on his abilities in the Foreign Office. He was supposed to be an expert at dealing with international issues and as such the Suez crisis was particularly harmful to Eden's standing in government. Take away his experience in the Foreign Office and his lack of experience with domestic and financial issues quickly became apparent. As stated, he was no longer in his prime already even though he was Prime Minister. He was physically not at his best, yes, but this meant he also seemed to struggle with the pressures of the role. In a very 1950s move, Antony Eden went to Jamaica to stay in Ian Fleming's house, the creator of James Bond, in order to recover his strength. But this gave his colleagues the chance to plot. And by the time he returned in December, his support had waned in the Conservative Party. He resigned in early January 1957 to be replaced by Harold Macmillan, then the Chancellor of the Exchequer. And he was the last of those Victorian Prime Ministers, Why should we remember Anthony Eden? At the beginning of this episode we mentioned subsets of Prime Ministers and we've come up with another subset. This is potentially even larger than that group whose terms can be defined in just a few words. These are the Prime Ministers who might have been. The ones who looked like they could do a great job but whose premierships were overshadowed by events. Eden's a particularly good example of this group thanks to that painfully long wait to take over from Churchill, only to find that he'd passed his own prime by the time he reached the top job. Then his handling of the Suez crisis cemented his reputation before he had the time even to settle in the job after only 21 months. Other prime ministers have suffered similar fates. Frederick North was prime minister for 12 years and will always be known as the man who lost America, whatever else he did whilst he was prime minister in the 1770s. Charles Lamb was seen as a likeable good leader but he took office in the late 1830s just after the Great Reform Act which meant there was no more appetite for change so his hands were tied. More recently whilst Tony Blair was Prime Minister Gordon Brown waited in the sidelines working as the Chancellor of the Exchequer until Tony Blair resigned and he finally got the job only for the credit crunch to dominate and essentially end his time in office just like Eden, before it could really get going. So Antony Eden's premiership is perhaps an example of a gentle tragedy. A man who could have been a great Prime Minister, but somehow made it to the top at the wrong time, and wasn't able to fulfil that destiny, or to climb out of the shadow of his war-winning predecessor. One other noticeable thing is that he wasn't the only Prime Minister whose illnesses seemed to wane as soon as he left the job. Eden lived for another 20 years after he left the role of Prime Minister perhaps proving that he hadn't been so past his prime after all. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week. Don't forget as always that this is just a starting point an attempt to make an interesting summary of Anthony Eden's life and his time as Prime Minister. Many opinions are available and this is just a starting point to start your own research and perhaps tighten up on a few of the details here. But I hope, if nothing else, that was a good starting point anyway. And if you've made it to this point, please do give it a like and share it if you can to help promote long history. Anything you can do to help will be much appreciated. And indeed, if you've already done something, thank you. This was Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, number 43, Anthony Eden, Suez. Goodbye.